This is a podcast from the Business Times. Global financial markets have taken a beating as central banks try to combat runaway inflation with aggressive rate hikes, thereby ending years of loose monetary policy that have underpinned a record rise in the prices of risky assets such as mean stocks, SPACs, and cryptocurrencies. And retail investors seem to be doubling down on exchange-traded funds or ETFs as rising interest rates and volatile markets curb their appetite for those risky assets. Bond investing may also prove to be a bright spot in the gloom as rising yields coax investors back into the segment. So if you're looking to buy the dip, you could consider investing in ETFs that continue to offer exposure to legacy large-cap firms. In 2022, safe haven assets in defensive sectors like utilities, healthcare, consumer staples and gold have been performing comparatively better than others. Assets in Singapore-listed ETFs have also grown by more than three times since 2017. Let's get the skinny on ETFs and index investing and how they can help your portfolio this year. Welcome to Money Hacks, a podcast series by The Business Times, where we explore useful financial tips to help you on your money-managing and wealth-growing journey. I'm your host, Howie Lim. And helping us out today is Salim Ramji, Global Head of iShares and Index Investments at BlackRock. Now mention ETF and investors tend to think of the big index funds. However, below the popular established and straightforward ETFs are hundreds of small, specialized ETFs. Looks like there are issues with ETFs of which retail investors should be aware. Yeah, well, look, Howie, I think first and foremost, ETFs are really just more than index funds. I kind of think of them as the modern version of what index funds started five decades or so ago. They offer more choice. So we've got 1,300 ETFs alone, and they offer the ease and access of being listed on stock exchanges in Singapore and around the world, which just makes them easier to use and easier to trade during the day. And I think that's why we look at ETFs as really advancing the ability of millions of people to choose how to invest their money and give them more access to those ways as well. So I just look at it as a enhanced or improvement on the index fund technology, but in a way that makes investing easier and more accessible for many more people around the world. But differentiation from other ETFs is viewed as a way to create demand, since some reshape or narrow down an established index. Given ETFs cover not just broad-based areas of the financial market, increasingly they're slicing the marketplace into ever more granular exposures that can be blended into customized portfolios. This is most evident in areas like the bond market. So it was just about 20 years ago that we launched our first broad-based bond ETFs. They were the first ones in the world. And now we have a global lineup of bond ETFs that can target pretty precise exposures across credit or sector or durations or sustainability. And I think that investors really like that specificity. Even in Singapore, we've got a bond ETF that focuses on the Asia high yield market because that's what investors locally are more interested in. And it gives access to a segment of the market that might otherwise be difficult to access. And so whether it's Asian high yield or whether it's, you know, access to the Indian market or broad-based markets around the world, chances are that there is an ETF for that. And we're really looking to continue to innovate and expand the arena of what ETFs can do. Another investment trend is leaning toward ETFs tracking broader markets and away from the meme stock frenzy of 2021, which was a little bit overhyped, in my opinion. If I just look at some of the data here in the United States where I'm based, 
a very, very small fraction, but by our best estimates, about 1% of retail trading activity in the United States was in meme stocks. About 65%, and this is back in 2021, was in people buying ETFs. Increasingly, what we've seen is that more and more people around the world are using digital platforms to trade, and they're using it through ETFs. And yes, there may be a minority of people taking up the frenzy or the mania of the day, but most people are doing most trades into broad-based exposures like ETFs. And that's certainly true in the United States. We've seen the same thing happen in Europe, where digital platforms have grown. We're forming strong relationships with a number of key digital platforms and robo-advisors in Singapore. And it can also offer a broad suite of iShares ETFs as part of their portfolios. And I think this is a really important broad-based trend. It's true in Singapore, it's true in Munich, it's true in New York, that if you can provide people an easy way to invest through a digital platform, for example, and you can provide people access to good quality and choice of ETFs, they tend to use more of them. And I think that's really more of the narrative that the facts would suggest. And certainly there are meme stock manias, as there have been manias going on for hundreds of years in a given month or in a given year. But the broad-based momentum, as far as we can tell, is that more and more individual investors, millions of them, in fact, are really looking to ETFs as their default vehicle. And more and more of them are, particularly first-time investors or small investors or early investors, are looking to the combination of digital platforms plus ETFs as a good way to start investing. And as I said, I think that's true in Singapore as well where we can start to build these portfolios for as little as 100 Singaporean dollars a month in the scheme of it, relatively small sizes to get people to start to invest. And the trend of investors exiting fixed income mutual funds in favor of bond ETFs and with fees continuing to trend lower for ETFs, these trends are likely to persist in 2023. I expect so. We've been lowering fees for quite some time now. So we're big believers that if you can make investing more affordable, that over time, clients will value that and they'll reward you with more of their business. And what we found over the years is that that's held up and been true. And so we really look every single year as to where areas that we can share some of the benefits of our scale with our clients and where are markets that are really poised for bigger growth, where that can make sense. One of the reasons I'm optimistic about Singapore as a market, particularly as a retail market, is it's showing a lot of the early dynamics, the growth of digital platforms, the growth of retail investors, more and more choice available in Singapore-listed ETFs, both from us and from others, that we think are really important and the really important elements of a market that should grow very well over the next few years. And it's certainly in earlier stages for the retail market than it is for the institutional market, because Singaporean institutions and private banks have long accessed our ETFs as part of their investment process. But the thing that's exciting for me is that now Singaporean investors can start to have the same access that some of the big institutions and some of the big private banks have been able to do to use ETFs as part of their portfolios. And so that bodes well, I think, for the next several years for our growth and our growth prospects in Singapore. Still to come, choosing an ETF and which ones will still do well in 2023. Partnering you on your wealth and investment journey. Bringing you insights to make well-timed market moves. 
sharing actionable personal financial tips, helping you protect and grow your wealth, analyzing Singapore's market trends and corporate issues, supporting you through your Singapore property journey. Insights from your trusted partner, the Business Times Podcasts. Are you listening? And now, back to Money Hacks from the Business Times. So ETFs, ETFs everywhere, but which one to choose? It's become that much more challenging, right? If you're relatively new to the space, options, paralysis and all that. The most important metric is to consider their investment goal. So are you saving for retirement? Are you saving for your children's education to buy a house for extra income? And I think that's really the most important element. And ETFs can be very good if you either have a very straightforward need, like a need for income or a need for growth or or the like, because you can buy a single broad-based index that can give you exposure to income or exposure to a diversified market. And for those who have relationships with wealth managers, they can use ETFs to help build and customize their portfolios, to have more climate aware built into their portfolios, or to have more income generating assets like exposure to the high yield market in Asia built into their portfolios. So that's the really the most important metric, Howie. I think it's about what is your investment goal? And then once you figure out your investment goal, the ETFs can either be used for their simplicity, or they can be used as part of a broad-based portfolio And typically, if it's being used as part of a broad-based portfolio, advisors play a really important role in helping a client build that portfolio as well. And more and more, what we've seen is that if you have a fiduciary advisor or fee-based advisor, a lot of the ways they build their portfolios is with more ETFs. So it's safe to say that 2022 has been a down market for ETFs, but some ETFs did better than others. Of course, we want to know how can we be sure to pick the ones which will still do well in 2023? Dare we hope? Yeah, well, I don't think you can pick that. Ah, nuts. There was a great line, I think it was attributed to uh, JP Morgan, the individual. People had asked him what he thought markets would do, and he said, I think markets will fluctuate. The thing about an ETF is that depending on the market it focuses on, it will fluctuate. Now, last year was an especially difficult year because both stocks and bonds declined at the same time. We haven't really seen that for about 50 years where you have both of them declining by double digits at the same time. But I think the benefit of ETFs is that they offer choice and they offer diversification so that you can be able to access a broad-based market and you're not just subject to the ups and downs of a single stock. And you can be able to customize to build a broad-based and diversified portfolio. So if I think of an example like fixed income, they have incredible income generating capability now that they didn't a year or two ago, in part because of central bank action because of corrections in the bond market itself. And so for an investor looking for income generation across most markets, fixed income really offers that in a way that it hasn't for the better part of a decade. And so that becomes a really important area in which to look at and to invest. But while ETFs will provide better diversification than an individual security, and if they're used as part of a portfolio, they can provide even better diversification beyond that, they're still subject to the ups and downs of the markets. And so they are like best suited, I think, for long-term investors who might have a five-year, 10-year, 20-year view and are able to go through these ups and downs that markets have. And we saw that most explicitly last year in 2022. 
The markets have revealed some clear preferences in the early going, some of which have simply carried over from 2022. And some analysts have warned that we should brace for another turbulent year in the financial markets. We've had accommodative monetary policy for about 15 years now, and that's clearly moving to tightening. And we've seen elevated inflation all across the world, really. Ten years ago, we had thought that rates would be lower for longer, and they were, but they're kind of going to be higher for longer, at least for the near term and the medium term around that. And so I think investors would be prudent to really consider looking at the fixed income portion of their portfolio, high quality fixed income, which actually provides some really attractive yields. And by having higher yields in fixed income, it also means that investors don't necessarily need to make their equity allocations work as hard. And the equity pieces can really focus more on earnings resiliency in the face of an uncertain economic environment. Those are the really two elements, which is really taking a look at fixed income and the quality of fixed income and the income generating power of fixed income. I don't think has been as good as it is now in more than a decade. And second, looking at equities that are resilient, perhaps more value-oriented than growth-oriented as they have been for the past decade, and really looking at how they can maintain earnings resiliency in what is undoubtedly going to continue to be a pretty uncertain economic environment. The surge in interest rates led growth stocks to underperform value last year. Rising rates depress economic growth, hurting growth stocks' earnings. Meanwhile, Defensive value stocks such as utilities, consumer staples and healthcare benefit from the fact that demand in these industries holds up in bad economic times. Looks like that's where we're heading in 2023 as well. I'm a frugal person, so I always like to find bargains. So I've been looking for an uptick in value investing for the past few years. I've been disappointed. I do think this is the year, and I do think the macroeconomic factors certainly favor that. But even if you aren't as much of a bargain shopper as I am, really looking for earnings resiliency in the face of an uncertain economic environment is a really good way to look at your equities and look for the income generation off of what's happened in the fixed income markets, which I think is a real shift from what we've seen for the past 15 years. As a risk-averse person, I got to say, I feel vindicated that my money's safely under my mattress on fixed deposits. I bet there are many of you out there too. Well, I don't know if I'd keep it under the mattress, Howie. I think that there are plenty of good ETF options. And if you got a long-term view, there are plenty of good diversified investments you can get through ETFs. So I certainly wouldn't say put it under the mattress, but I do think there are a lot of good, high-quality, diversified ways in which to invest. And certainly for investors coming into the market the first time, what we've seen is that more and more of them, actually millions of them, are coming into the market for the first time using the benefits that ETFs can provide. We've been discussing ETFs and index investing today with Salim Ramji, Global Head of iShares and Index Investments at BlackRock. Well, thank you for having me, Howie. It's great to be on your show. And that's a wrap for this episode of Money Hacks. I'm Howie Lim. Till next time. That was a podcast from The Business Times. Send your feedback to podcast at sph.com.sg. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcast or, via the Google Voice Assistant Amazon-enabled devices. For more podcasts by The Straits Times, The Business Times, and Money FM 89.3 you can also download the audio by SPH app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. This podcast is meant to provide general information only. SPH Media accepts no liability for loss arising from any reliance on the podcast or use of third parties' products and services. Please consult professional advisors for independent advice.